Exodus chapter 14 As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up, and there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, Was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, Leave us alone, let us serve the Egyptians? It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. Moses answered the people, Do not be afraid. Stand firm, and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Then the Lord said to Moses, Why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. Raise your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the water so that the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they will go in after them, and I will gain glory through Pharaoh and all his army, through his chariots and his horsemen. The Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I gain glory through Pharaoh, his chariots, and his horsemen. Then the angel of God, who had been traveling in front of Israel's army, withdrew and went behind them. The pillar of cloud also moved from in front and stood behind them, coming between the armies of Egypt and Israel. Throughout the night the cloud brought darkness to the one side and light to the other, so neither went near the other all night long. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and all that night the Lord drove the sea back with a strong east wind and turned it into dry land. The waters were divided, and the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on their right and on their left. The Egyptians pursued them, and all Pharaoh's horses and chariots and horsemen followed them into the sea. During the last watch of the night, the Lord looked down from the pillar of fire and cloud at the Egyptian army and threw it into confusion. He jammed the wheels of their chariots so that they had difficulty driving. And the Egyptians said, Let's get away from the Israelites. The Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand over the sea so that the waters may flow back over the Egyptians and their chariots and horsemen. Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and at daybreak the sea went back to its place. The Egyptians were fleeing towards it, and the Lord swept them into the sea. The water flowed back and covered the chariots and horsemen. The entire army of Pharaoh that had followed the Israelites into the sea not one of them survived. But the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground, with the wall of water on their right and on their left. That day the Lord saved Israel from the hands of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians lying dead on the shore. And when the Israelites saw the mighty hand of the Lord displayed against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord and put their trust in him and in Moses his servant.
John chapter 20 On the evening of that first day of the week when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. And again Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Are you a cup half empty or a cup half full sort of person? Popular psychology says we're all one or the other. Whether you agree with that or think it's a ridiculous oversimplification, today we have heard about two groups of God's people who collectively, at least, had something of a tendency to be cup half empty people. Let's start with the Israelites on the shore of the Red Sea. They are terrified. You can understand why they might have forgotten the promises of God to Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. That was 400 years earlier after all. But they also seem to have forgotten the plagues that got sent on Egypt just in the last month or so. Worse still, they seem to have forgotten the miraculous first Passover, which was literally just days ago. And now as they camp by this seemingly unpassable barrier, boldness turns to fear, defiance turns to panic in seconds as they see the Egyptian chariots approaching. They do not trust their God to take them through the next challenge. Weren't the cemeteries large enough in Egypt so that you had to take us out here in the wilderness to die? They scream at Moses. They would not have agreed with Mel Gibson in Braveheart. 
They may take our lives, but they will never take our freedom. Quite the opposite, in fact. The Israelites are firmly of the opinion that it is better to be slaves and alive than free and dead. That is a cup half empty approach to life, if ever I heard one. So now let's look at the disciples locked in that upper room. They are terrified. You can understand why they might have forgotten the promises in Isaiah of a suffering servant who would be the Messiah. That was 700 years earlier after all. But they also seem to have forgotten that over the last three years, they have come to believe Jesus was that Messiah. Worse still, they seem to have forgotten the Passover supper, literally just days ago, when he told them, a little while and you will no longer see me, and again a little while and you will see me. Even this morning they have heard, and apparently completely disregarded, the testimony of the women that they had seen Jesus alive. They do not trust their God to take them through the next challenge. And note, it's not just Thomas that's a cup half empty man. The disciples all need to see Jesus' side, his hands, his feet, to touch him to prove his real physical aliveness to themselves, to allow no room for confusion. It really is Jesus. Poor old Thomas. Quite possibly, he's been sent off to fetch supplies on the first day of the week after the big holiday weekend. He misses all the excitement. Of course he wants to see and touch Jesus for himself. And what does Jesus do? He comes back for Thomas. He wants Thomas to be as sure as the others. He knows Thomas is a warrior, tends to assume the worst. He doesn't ignore his worries. He doesn't tell him off. Thomas needs to know that Jesus died and rose again for him too. Jesus also knows that many generations to come won't have the benefit of doing what the disciples did, of actually touching him. So he gently says that those who believe without being able to see his real, live, personal body are even more blessed. I love John's little aside at the end of the reading. It reminds me of the end of Jane Eyre when she directs her gaze directly at us and says, Reader, I married him. John directs his gaze directly at us and says, So, dear reader, this is why I've written it all down, so that you will be one of these more blessed. Jesus fulfills his promises just as his father fulfilled his promise to the Israelites one and a half millennia earlier. The father knew the Israelites were terrified, so he hid the Egyptians all night with a pillar of cloud. He had the Israelites back, quite literally. He sent his angel to stand behind them. And the next day they crossed the unpassable barrier.
They were no longer escaped slaves, but free people. At the time I wrote this sermon, one image from the current extraordinary times was going round my head. The mass grave being dug on Hart Island in New York. The cemeteries aren't large enough to take the unclaimed bodies of the lonely dead in New York. And here we are, you and I, on the morning of the first day of the week, and the doors of the church where we met every week are locked for fear of COVID-19. But Jesus comes and meets with each one of us individually, wherever we are. We find it hard to believe that this will happen. Each one of us needs a word of assurance, one way or another. But in that way, only Jesus has, he says, peace be with you. And our world changes. These are Sunday words. The words we say after the first part of the service before we move into communion. We say it to show we are brothers and sisters bound together in love. Words that have been said by Christians through two millennia since that upper room. They are Christ's words. Because this is what Jesus offers. Peace. Peace with God. Peace with each other. Peace with ourselves. Peace that dispels fear. A powerful peace. Even Thomas is transformed from a cup half empty man to a man overflowing with faith and excitement to a man who, it is believed, went all the way to India with good news. Our God is a God who wants our cup to be overflowing with all that he has to give us. A God who keeps his promises. And what are Jesus' promises? Just in the short passage we heard today, he says, Peace be with you. Receive the Holy Spirit. Your sins are forgiven and you have the power to forgive others. Do not doubt, but believe. And through John's personal testimony, set down late in his life so that it would speak to the generations to come, Jesus says to us today, Blessed are you indeed, because you did not see me when I walked the earth in human flesh, yet you have come to believe that I am the way, the truth and the life, the Messiah, the Son of God. Now make my joy overflow. Go and follow in my footsteps. Love a fallen and fearful world. Show the world that I am alive in you and you are alive in me. And that all who believe in me will have overflowing life in my name. So be it.